Today is the first Sunday of Epiphany. And Epiphany begins with the baptism of our Lord Jesus, and it ends with the transfiguration of our Lord Jesus. And in both places, God speaks. At the beginning of the baptism, God says, This is my Son, whom I love. In Him I am well pleased. At the, at the transfiguration, God speaks again, This is my Son. In Him I am well pleased. Listen to Him. The epiphany, then, is that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the epiphany. Aha! I mean, that's, that's the epiphany. That's what we're being let in on. That's the secret. And so let us pray that God would let that truth in to us this morning. Holy and gracious Father, enlighten us. Let us see that Christ is the Son of God. And because of Christ, we are your children as well. Oh Lord, the devil speaks against us all the time, um, showing us and telling us that we are not very good children of God, children of you. Oh Lord, help us to hear your words, not the devil's words. Help us to know that we are a child of God because you've said so. Help us, Lord, we pray. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever had someone say a word or drop a note to you? that deeply touched you. It was the right word from the right person at the right time. Has that ever happened to you? I think to all of us. About a month ago, we were getting ready for Christmas. We had the Christmas play going on. It was raining, and I thought, is this thing ever going to get poured? You know, over there, I was losing my mind, losing my heart. And I got a little letter in the mail, a card. It's from a man named Hank Silva. And Hank's, uh, he's related to Jamie somehow, I can't exactly say, but it's not, I can't say, it's just I don't know how it completely works, but Hank Silva's related to Jamie and the family. And, and he's a man who, who was born in Mexico with nothing. He raised himself up. He worked in the fields as a child. Um, he started a restaurant. He's become a good man, and he's a good man. He loves his family, loves his church, loves people. Very influential man. He's just a great man. Anyway, Hank Silva sent me a card. And in it was a little, a little sentence. It says, Russ, tough times don't last, but tough guys do. And that's all said. And then he had a check and clothes for the building fund. But the biggest thing was that little slogan. Spoken from a tough guy. He's saying, you're going to be tough. You're tough. You can get through this. And I don't know why, but those words just did something to me. They grabbed me. They, they gave me courage and, and strength to press on. They were the right words, spoken from the, by the right person at the right time. In a reading from Mark, chapter 1, we, we hear... The same thing happened. The right words spoken from the right person at the right time. And the occasion is the baptism of Jesus. Now, at his baptism, in Jesus' baptism, there's not a lot to it. I mean, what I mean by that, it's only a few verses long. In fact, I'll read to you these verses because, again, it doesn't take any time. They're just a few verses. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And the voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. That's it. 
That's the baptism of Jesus. Three verses long. I think any of us who do read the Bible through a year, I mean, that's just a little sentence from all those verses you have to read through to get the Bible done in a year. I mean, you hardly even notice these verses as you're trying to get to the next chapter, the next chapter, the next chapter. Three verses long. Not much. Except when you actually look at these verses. Because in three little verses, we're given these great clues, highlights, insights into who Jesus really is, why he came in the first place. I mean, the first thing we, we hear, it says Jesus is from Nazareth. Why is that important? Well, Nazareth was a small town up in the north. It wasn't very significant. It was a lowly place. In fact, when people um, found out that Jesus was from Nazareth, the common response was, can anything good come from Nazareth? Right? It's not a significant place. But of course, it's not a significant place. Because Jesus came for those who are insignificant. Jesus came for the lowly. Of course, he would come from Nazareth. Next, we hear that Jesus was baptized by John in the River Jordan. Why is that important? Well, go back to your Old Testament. Israel was wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, wandering to go into the Promised Land. And before they went into the Promised Land, guess what river they had to go through? The Jordan River. And they walked into it. God led them into the promised land. Wasn't that what Christ is doing? He came to lead us into that eternal promised land with God. Next, we read that when Jesus was coming out of the water, the heavens were torn open, ripped open, schizomide. That's where we get the word schizophrenic. I mean, it was just, it was ripped open. The heavens were ripped open. Why is this important? Well, the barrier between God and us is a barrier that we couldn't enter. Man makes a tower of Babel trying to climb to God. They can't get to heaven. And so God has to rip open heaven because Christ came to lead us there, to give us access to heaven, to have access to God. In fact, in Mark's gospel, that word doesn't occur until the very end of it when Jesus died. And remember what happened to the temple curtain? It was torn, ripped, schizomide from top to the bottom. The death of Christ would give us access to God. God was coming to us. Next, a dove will descend upon Jesus, or the Spirit will descend upon Jesus in the form of a dove. As we heard from the reading, in the beginning, the Spirit hovered like a hen over the waters of creation. Or with the flood, when the flood waters ceased, Noah found out how he knew it was safe or it was okay to come out of the, the water was why. He sent out a, a dove who brought back an olive branch. In Levitical worship, the only bird that was acceptable for sacrifice was a dove. Two turtle doves, right? I mean, that's part of that song. Jesus was coming. He came to, to create us anew, to tell us the judgment was over, to be the acceptable sacrifice. 
So all these things are important, right? Jesus is really the Son of God. He came to do what we couldn't do, to rip open heaven so that we would have access to the Father to be the living sacrifice. All these things Jesus came to do, and we, we hear that in just a few verses. We're given that insight. And yet, as important as these words are, it's what comes next that is really the important part, the most significant after ripping open the heavens, after sending the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, we hear God speak. And this is what God says. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. What beautiful words. Probably the most tender and gracious words of all of Scripture. It's the words of, of God to, to Jesus. It's the words of a father to a son. I can't help but think of Genesis 22 or Genesis 22 with uh, Abraham and his son Isaac. It's the words of, of God to his messianic king from Psalm 2. It's the words of, of the Lord to his suffering servant in Isaiah 42. These are loving words, tender words. This language is gracious. It's the language of love. The words of a father to a son. I think all of us can see this. These are beautiful words. We all understand the power of, of a father's words to a child or a mother's words to a child. I mean, we understand that. For you, if you had parents who would often share their emotions, you know what that did to you. You, you loved it. You loved when they said they loved you. You, you loved when you heard those words of, of, of affirmation. They, they helped put you together. They were, they were great. Now, if you didn't hear those words, you know what that was like too. How you longed to hear those words. How you wanted to hear those words. Desire to hear their, their praise. And I know that in the generation past, many of you were raised with parents who loved you deeply, but they were taught not to share it. That was tough, too. You know they loved you. We were created to hear those words, to say those words. It's the language of love. There's a story of a father and a son who had become estranged. And the son ran away, and the father sent out for him. And the more that this father tried, he couldn't find him. Finally, in, in desperation, the father put an ad in the Madrid newspaper, because that's where they're from. And the ad read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. Well, on that Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up. I mean, that's kind of funny, right? I mean, it's funny, but it's also deeply sad. 800 Pacos showed up, desiring, longing, hoping that their father was standing there with forgiveness and love. They wanted it. They needed it. We were created for that. I mean, just the other day, I was trying to write my sermon. And I said, I'll write it home, and it'll be fine. And normally, it's, it's great. But at that time, little Abby decided she needed daddy's love and attention. And because Abby's watching all these Disney movies, in a period of 10 minutes, we had to play every 
Disney movie that's ever been made. And I, let me explain. Abby's sitting, she's walking next to me, and she suddenly goes, ow! And she falls down like she's asleep. I look over at Jamie, and I go, what's that? She goes, well, that's Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> okay, you know. She goes, go kiss her. So I go over and kiss her. She goes, ah, you know. <laughs> so I go back to my computer, you know. And all of a sudden, I look down, and there's a slipper right next to me. <laughs> and there, my daughter's in the chair going, <clears throat> Daddy. So I get the chair. Okay, Cinderella. Right? Then I go back down, and she goes, oh, no, Daddy. Um, Cinderella had to marry the prince. Okay. So she puts a little veil on her head. And, and I, I'm the only man in this household, so guess who plays the prince, right? So here I am, and Jamie gets the book open, and she officiates. Do you? Yes. Do you? Yes. Okay. Where's the ring? Gets the ring. Here's the kiss. Okay. Well, Abby goes, oh, no, Daddy, we have to dance. <laughs> okay. So we dance around. It was great. <laughs> we were designed for this, made for this. We need this. When we don't get it, it kills us. And when we do get it, it's, it's the best thing in the world. I don't care what anyone says. When Jesus heard those words spoken to him from God, how deeply they must have met him. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I mean, these are words that defined who he was. They define Jesus. Jesus is not merely Mary and Joseph's boy. Jesus is not merely a good teacher. Jesus is not merely a miracle worker. Jesus is the Son of God. You are my Son. These are defining words spoken to God, spoken by God to Jesus. And no wonder Jesus could heal like he did. No wonder he could, he could raise from the dead. No wonder he could cast out demons. These words say everything. This isn't a mere man. This is the Son of God. We worship the Son of God. The Son of God was nailed to a cross. These are defining words. You are my Son, whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. I have to wonder, and, I, and this is just speculation, obviously, but before this event, we don't hear of Jesus doing any miracles. He could have. We don't know what his childhood was like. He, he had some idea of who God was because he said, in the temple is a boy, I have to be in my father's house. So he, he knew some of that. But it is amazing that after these words are spoken, that's when his ministry begins. After he's been defined by God, attested to by God, it's then that he has such power and such authority in his teaching. You have to wonder, did these words unlock Jesus? Spoken by God Almighty, did they do something to him? And we'd have to say, well, yes. Because when God speaks, it is. And so he had this great ministry. But can you imagine the pressure that comes from realizing and truly understanding that you're the son of God? I mean, how are you going to live up to that? 
I mean, we know this, right? I mean, great people, their, their sons or daughters, they struggle. I had a friend growing up. He was a young man who, who had a friend whose dad was a star athlete. And everywhere this man, this young kid went, as a boy all the way up, his dad, everyone would say, wow, your dad was such a great athlete. Now his dad and his mom never pushed him, but boy, the weight of that was always on that child. I mean, that's who he was, and he, he realized it was just so much, and it was hard for him to understand it. And he was always, it pushed him, and when he was younger, he, he was always ahead of everyone else in, in sports. But for some reason, he got the genes of his mother, and so he peaked at eighth grade, and everyone else caught up to him and excelled past him. But you can see what that would do to a person. It, 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 it ruined him. And in high school, he fell apart, and he decided to, he started drinking and everything else because he couldn't live up to this pressure that, that really he put on himself and the others around him. One day, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, he is already drunk, passed out. His friends left him at the front of his house on the doorstep. Parents came home, saw him, took him to bed. When the boy woke up, whatever time in the morning it was, he called for his parents. His dad came in. And this boy, who, who was feeling the way of the world, just let it all out. Cried and cried and cried and said, I, I can't do this. I quit. I quit all sports. I can't do it. You know what his dad said? He said, that's okay. That was never what we wanted for you. We love you. Your mom loves you. Your dad loves you. We love you. What do you think those words did to him? They set him free. The weight they'd been carrying from a child, from all those comments, were off his shoulders. He ended up going back and playing sports because he was now free. And he, he, was, he was set free by those words. That was all he needed. It was enough. It's not an accident that before Jesus begins his ministry, God speaks these words. Because what follows immediately after the baptism? Forty days in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. Hearing those words, you are my son. In you, I love you. In you, I'm well pleased. You better believe Jesus held on to those words as the devil attacked. And then on the transfiguration... The word spoken again. Why? Because where is Jesus coming from the mountain? Where does he walk straight to? The cross. And again, holding those words. That he's the son of God. That God loves him. Setting him free to do what he needed to do. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. Well, Reformation, I want you to understand something. Those words spoken by, for, spoken by God to Jesus 2,000 years ago are the same words spoken to you. I mean, don't you see? Jesus came to save the little guy. Jesus came to lead us into the promised land. Jesus came to tear heaven open so that we may enter. Jesus came to be the sacrifice we need because of Jesus, the words God spoke to him are spoken to us, to you as well. At your baptism, God comes out and says it. 
At your baptism, God says, you are my child. I love you. With you, I'm well pleased. You are my child. You are my son. You are my daughter. I love you, God says. With you, I am well pleased. God is holding nothing back. God is laying it all on the line. God is claiming you. And as he speaks it, so it is. But just because he speaks, the devil is loose. And the weight of those words are hard for us because we sit there, we know we're Christians, but then we look at our own lives and we go, but I don't seem to be a very good son. Maybe, maybe they got those papers wrong. I'm not so good at this. And the devil keeps accusing and accusing. You're not a good son. Your father doesn't like you. Maybe you're not really a Christian. Oh, you're relying too much on baptism. You were doing too little. The devil's wrong. Merit has nothing to do with love. This is love language. Don't you know God loves you in spite of you? Don't you know that, that when you run away, God searches for you as a shepherd searches for his lost sheep? And God sends out his word saying, all is forgiven. I love you. Meet me in front of the newspaper office. And when God finds you, God says, kill the fatted calf. Invite the neighbors over. Pull out the good wine. We're having a party. For my child is home. My son, my daughter, who I love, is home. That's why we do evangelism. Because if there were 800 Pacos desiring the love of, of his father, there's a world filled with people broken by this world, dying to hear the words, you are my child. I love you. And you, I'm well pleased. They're dying to hear that God loves them. So we go out and we invite people in and we share it with our neighbors so they can hear the good news. And so Reformation on this first day of Epiphany, on the baptism of our Lord, simply hear again what God Almighty has said to you in your baptism says to you as you open his word, says to you from the confession absolution, here again what God says to you. You are my child, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Talk about the right words from the right person at the right time. Amen.